0: Welcome to the Forward With Purpose podcast. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas from the National Memorial for the Unborn and Mindy Lefishore from An Even Place Virtual Abortion Healing Groups and Coaching for Pro-Life Ministry Workers. We understand the power of addressing the abortion wound, which then allows us to confidently stand in the gap for the next person. We also understand how lonely and heavy this work can be. This podcast is designed to connect you with other leaders doing this work, to learn from the vast wealth of knowledge and experience that is out there. God has designed you for greater things. God has commissioned you to a precious and sacred place in abortion recovery ministry work. It is our hope you are encouraged and equipped as you move forward with purpose in your ministry. Today we have Meredith Wood from Springwater Healing joining us for a conversation.
1: Thank you so much for inviting inviting me on. I'm really delighted. It's a great privilege. I do love the work that I do, and I guess it's been a journey. I actually worked for another crisis pregnancy center, a pregnancy resource center, rather, almost 10 years ago. I was a counselor and advocate for about three years. And when I left, I thought, that's the end of that. Um, and I went off and I actually moved out of state. I'm uh, originally from Massachusetts, but I spent many years in Georgia. So I moved back to Georgia and I thought I will probably never come back to Massachusetts. Um, And my background is in professionally is social services. I have a degree in counseling, professional counseling. And so I've done a whole lot of work with nonprofits, government, Worked with all kind of different people, backgrounds, housing, mental health issues, disability. So that really is my passion, is to help hurting people. In 2020, I moved back to Boston, and somebody invited me to the BCPC Gala, and I was familiar with that ministry only because I had worked with, as I said, another pregnancy center about 10 years earlier.
0: And BCPC
1: is... Oh, I'm sorry. The Boston Center for Pregnancy Choices and Springwater, which I okay. work at, is the uh, after-abortion healing kind of arm of that ministry. If okay. if that makes sense. So it's we all work for the same ministry, but Springwater is. We have our own separate location, and our our sole mission is to support and help uh, men and women that have been impacted emotionally and spiritually by abortion. So that's where I work now, but the overall ministry is called the Boston Center for Pregnancy Choices. So I was invited to the um, BCPC ministry in 20, uh, their, their gala ministry fundraising that they do. And lo and behold, I'm sitting there, you know, enjoying the evening and I look on stage and I say, I know that woman. And who was that woman, but Sarah Lloyd. And I said, Sarah, what? This, you're still in it. So Sarah would bring her clients over to the center that I was working at ten years ago. So I got to know her a little bit, and I remembered her face. So we talked at the gala, and as I was sitting at the gala, the Lord said to me, "Well, you're going to be praying, you know, for Springwater." And I said, "Okay, sure, I'll pray for them." He said, "No, you're going to be praying at Springwater." <laughs> i said really so lo and behold i re i resigned from my job the lord had me resign from my job i was working at a, co- a local college and i called up sarah and said sarah you know i feel like the lord is really leading me to be involved and they had an opening for office manager and volunteer coordinator and you know everything else you know how that goes so that's yeah. how i got connected to Springwater. But my story, just to quickly add to kind of more of my passion, is I was uh, adopted in 1968. My mother was pregnant, and she had like no chances of having any support from her family or her community because of the circumstances of the conception. I always knew I was adopted uh, because I looked. I didn't look anything like my my. My, my adoptive family. And the Lord has started speaking to me about uh, just my adoption journey and everything that I had gone through. And um, he really has been ministering to me since I've been at Springwater. And also Sarah and I, Sarah is the director of Springwater. Um, we have been talking about these concentric circles of how these things are so interconnected. And um, so I've been able to share my adoption story when I go to churches because my story is the story of a woman who was in a pregnancy situation that that could have chosen abortion and how that has impacted my life um, just on so many different levels and what it means that God intervened in my life, that my life did not end because of abortion. It was saved because of adoption. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot to that, but that's kind of um, I've always had a strong desire for healing. As I said, my background is in counseling and social services. So it was a natural fit for me to to work at Springwater.
0: That is a beautiful story. and I can tell we've only gotten into just a tiny bit of it. Um, but I loved what you just said. You said, my, my life did not end because of abortion, but was saved by adoption. And I don't know if I got that word for word, but that's how I wrote it down. So that's beautiful. You know, we we have such a misunderstanding of adoption in our culture. Um, so many do, you know, and we all hear the ladies that come in and say, well, I'm not giving my baby up. Mm-hmm. No, you're saving your baby's life. <laughs> you're giving your baby life. You know, you're giving them way more, you know anyway, that is just beautiful. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about today. So just thank you so much. And, um,
2: and I love the comment too, about how interrelated all these facets are, you know, we're, we're primarily focused here on the abortion recovery, but they are so interrelated mm -hmm. and they're all a big part of building the kingdom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you because you don't have abortion in your past, but you have chosen, to come and work alongside those of us who do with great compassion, because you have to have compassion to be in this ministry. You have to have understanding of forgiveness, of biblical forgiveness and of the gravity of your sin, regardless of whether it's abortion or not. You know, those of us with abortion tend to think that we've committed the ultimate sin and it quite, it's quite vile, you know, and it's in what it is when we really stop and look at what abortion is it's quite graphic and and vile and intense and gruesome and all those things but it's not bigger in god's eyes than other sin so um you have to have that understanding in order to come and work alongside us and uh, and that has got to help the ladies who you're interacting with even if they're volunteers I don't know if you're doing groups yet but even if you're vo- even in your volunteers just to be able to come alongside somebody I know if somebody, if I think I have this gruesome, gory, disgusting, vile, unforgivable sin and somebody standing next to me who doesn't share that sin experience with me, but can love me just the same, that's incredibly healing. That's incredibly healing. And so I know most of your volunteers have probably come through your groups (laughs) in some fashion or another, or, or at one time had abortion in their past and, um, And so now they're interacting with you and you've got to be just that sweet blessing of healing in their life, whether you know it or not. So I, I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Really, truly. My,
1: my absolute pleasure.
0: So you're over volunteer coordinating and it's kind of what we want to talk to you about today and just kind of speaking to other abortion recovery leaders and ministry leaders and, um, when you guys, when you and Sarah or your organization or however, what your policies are, I'm not sure, but when you are considering a candidate as a volunteer, whether they have said, I'm interested in volunteering, or you're like, you know what, maybe we ought to pursue this gal, you know, let's ask her if she's interested, you know, she would want to do work with us. What are you looking for? What makes a good candidate?
1: That's a great question. Um so I guess I can start off by saying there's a couple things. One is, as a whole, they do have to agree with our statement of faith and principle.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that does, it's a, there's a screening process. And that's just fundamental. They have to be on the same page regarding our, our values. Secondly, I'd say that they, they have to be, whatever skills they have, it has to be something that we need at the time. So people, we have people that have maybe long resume, but we, we actually don't need the help in that area right now. So it has to, they have to fit to a particular need in the ministry at that time. Um, so, you know, and there are ongoing needs that we have, and sometimes there's temporary needs that we have, but we have to have a need for them. Secondly, really for us, is a question of, did God send this person? And we're very, very dependent upon the Holy Spirit to show us. And, you know, even people that you would see on the outside, oh, they're going to be a good fit. But if the Lord is saying no, um, then that's what we go by. Really, that's the bottom line, because we do pray a lot over each individual, especially because, for us the post abortion ministry part of our ministry is you know it's involves a lot of confidentiality we're very streamlined in terms of no drama we need we need focus here we need people can flow in flow in this um and and the healing is so it's such a critical thing for god to have his people in an environment where healing can take place. So we don't want anybody in there as nice as they may be, who God has not put in there for that time. So I guess that that's what I can say overall is the most important thing. Well,
2: so you mentioned I, different roles um, other than actually leading groups. What other kinds of roles are you looking for from volunteers?
1: Well, Sarah and I are the only staff, and we, we actually work part-time. So there's a lot of stuff from administrative okay. details, um, marketing, social media, out community outreach. There's just a lot of different areas that we don't have the bandwidth to engage all the time with all of these things. When we do events, for example, we need volunteers to help us with the event. We had a 24 hour um, sanctity of human life prayer event. I'm um, not this past, um, january but last year that involves statewide we reached out statewide to different ministries and and we we can't put on those kind of events without volunteers so there's there's kind of every area (laughs) that we need help with cleaning the office
0: (laughs) yeah well and what i okay so you can't read my mind but i assumed that you could because i wasn't clear clarifying on volunteers you you opened up What beyond what I was thinking when you were talking about volunteers, and and here's why because I my my ministry is virtual, so an even place we don't have an office, we all work out of our homes, we're virtual. So I'm small minded when I'm thinking volunteers, I'm not thinking about all the things that you guys have. And you guys, when you have an office, there's a whole much different need that's required. And so, um, let me ask this do you have group leaders? that beyond beyond the two of you leading these groups and what are you looking for like if you've got a lady a group of ladies going through a group and you see a lady in there you're like that one i'm wondering if she would be interested or you know or she said you know maybe i'd like to do this someday and you're like you know what the more i listen to her this might be a good fit do you know what you're looking for there
1: well we specifically recruit group leaders so okay. normally those people are people that they've identified that in the beginning, although not, ne- not always, but normally when we're doing outreach and we're talking about all the different volunteer roles, that is one of the roles that we communicate. And normally people that they, it's just an automatic thing for them. It's like, I talked to this woman the other day and she was like, this is what I want to do these are people that sometimes have social service backgrounds or ministry backgrounds um so it's it's not too difficult i would say and even people that have come through the groups it's not too difficult for us to identify those people and i think they really self identify as this is what they want to do but and what we're true. looking what we're looking for um is again number 1 a calling I mean, I worked in social service. I led groups, different, all kinds of groups. Like there's a specific skill, Um, even if you've been in ministry, to lead a group. There's fundamental skills that are required to lead any type of group. And then on top of that, there's a certain level of sensitivity or discernment that's needed. However, we do train people and we do coach them. So we're not expecting them to, off the you know right out of the gate be these fabulous f- facilitators we coach them along the way and try to provide help to them but the bottom line again is every time we get ready to lead a group and we have a couple people who are volunteers that have facilitated before we we don't just say oh you did it before we ask god who do you want to lead this group this time mm-hmm. okay. and Good so when, when we're recruiting people Two for those positions, if they fill out a volunteer application, it normally is clear that that's what they want to do. And um, it normally is clear to us that, yes, this person would be a good fit for that particular role. Um, but you need all type of facilitators. So the bottom line is that we just have to, we trust the Lord in it. Um, and we're looking for people that are passionate about the ministry, that are teachable, Uh, willing to learn, can work on a team. I mean, you know, just the basic things,
2: all that is really uh, critical as well. So that would be some of the fundamentals that you mentioned, um, being able to work on a team. Yeah, Um, because
1: they, so Sarah is normally the one that is the primary facilitator. So they're co-facilitating with her initially, at least initially. Mm -hmm. Um, So there has, you know, you have to be able to work and, and, with somebody and take direction Um, it's really a team effort everything that we do
0: yeah yeah I'd agree and you said um, well you said a couple of things I want to talk about real quick but one thing I want to give you an opportunity because there are many people listening who are facilitators who maybe want They're already they've been doing it a while. Maybe they want a different kind of training. They want to they want to learn some things maybe that they, you know, from somebody else or they have new people coming on and they'd like a good training program, but they haven't figured out one. So just tell me, tell us a little bit about your training, because both Linda and I have been through your training program for Forgiven and Set Free. It's virtual and it's really good. So I just like, yeah, I'd like you to just tell us, just put a little bit of a plug in there, would you?
1: And how to contact you. Yeah, you know, what we're, I think what we're kind of trying to figure out is how to provide ongoing training. So Mm -hmm. when I was getting my master's degree in counseling, I had a supervision group. And, you know, I I don't want to speak for Sarah because she's really the expert in this, but we're finding that the training that we did um, that's virtual, that's a basic, kind of a basic thing. But there's other levels of training that I think we're looking at, how can we provide that? Now, all our time is pretty limited, again, because we work part-time. But we're looking at, we are considering other kind of more advanced stages of that training. But certainly anybody that has come through and goes through that training and works with Sarah, there's a lot of one-on-one mentoring that goes on. And that's what we would call Somewhat of a supervision, but you know they've had before. I think facilitator and you know clinical in clinical settings, you normally have like group supervision, and so these are some of the things that we've kind of talked about having a group for for the people that we're training, having a group a, a group for them once they've gotten into the facilitating, and they've had some coaching to have a support group for them to go over different topics and you know just basic things that are more specific because the initial training that we do is pretty broad
0: it is but it was so good because even though I've been leading groups for a while and Linda's been leading groups longer than me we both we both learned something it might have been basic and broad but there was a lot to learn because your ideas and your ways of doing things are a little bit different even though we're using the same curriculum and yet you I know Sarah had this this training approved by Linda and Linda Cochran. And um, just, and I think Linda helped it, with it. So it's just, it's a very thorough um, first look at going through forgiveness and Set Free, but it's also got things in there that not everybody's doing. Because like I said, we all have, it, up until this last year, really last couple of years, forgiveness and Set Free specifically has been, on the fly well we'll just figure it out as we go (laughs) and you just learn from somebody or it's maybe somebody had the facilitators guide from piedmont women's center years ago but they had a lot of information in there that not everybody could possibly use all of it you know so that's what I wanted to know is like if somebody is listening and they're like you know I'd really love to just get some quote formal training on forgiveness set for either for myself or for my volunteers, do they just contact you?
1: They can contact us at info at springwaterhealing.com. I mean, .org. Um, And more than likely Sarah will, will, will be the one that will respond to them. Uh, We have, we don't have a, a formal kind of second tier of training at this point, but I don't know. I would love to see that. And I think we've yeah. talk, I've talked to Sarah about that just ongoing. Um, because one of the things I think in general uh, is that there can be a sense of isolation. Well, for us, because especially when you're doing these Zoom, if you're leading in a Zoom group um, and you're a facilitator, you may never have met them or they're co-facilitator. There's a lot. And I I'm thinking about this in terms of volunteers in general. But there can be isolation and so where do you go? I mean, this is cuz my background is in counseling. How who do you debrief with? And the power of debriefing with mm-hmm. and going over these things within a group of co-facilitators or other facilitators um I think is something that I would love to see. So, but right now we don't have an official like training, but
0: secondary training but you do have a first training you do have the first that's that's pretty official i think that was it was very well done especially for someone who's not been through it before or as a leader so yeah i think it was really really and i
2: think the importance too of of training under someone like you've got co-leaders that are training under sarah um you can't um stress that strong enough that how important that is and and we're all different we all lead a little bit different Mm -hmm. but um you just learn so much from actually um apprenticing you know that's the old apprenticing kind of thing and um and and that's one of the things i love about virtual too is that um a new, a small center that's just trying to get started could actually co-lead under someone virtually mm-hmm. uh, to help train them and get them ready to start the ministry in the, mm-hmm. in the center too. So, so true. Uh, that opens up a whole new area that people can actually sit under someone else and, and learn and adapt from them. Yeah. yeah Sarah, and
0: I'm, I'm thinking it. about your debriefing comment there um, because at an even place, we've just gotten, um, we've got several leaders now willing to either lead or co-lead or both. And um, what we're going to do is once a month, have a debriefing in our group leader meeting so that all of us are learning from each other, talking about the challenges, the joys, you know, what our prayer needs are, you know, just whatever's going on, um, talking about the difficulties, you know, maybe there's some difficult, you know, conversations that have had just content-wise, just by what the participants bringing in, you know, their story difficulty, you know, having a place for us to go and offload that to each other. And, um, because a virtual, when you're talking about virtual being isolating, you're absolutely right, because we don't have a one, a location to come together to. And that's been the thing that's been top of mind for me is how to keep us all together uh, praise God, He's brought me some of the most amazing people that want to that want to lead that just don't need to be coddled. And I so appreciate that because that is just not in my wheelhouse to do. I'm not very good at that. And so he need, he just knew what I needed. So I was so thankful for that. But I want to look at this um um there's a question I want to ask you about when what should our expectations be of those who are volunteering, their time, their duties, et cetera, you know, because some of us are, Super volunteers like you, I think if you were volunteering in your passion, you would be a super volunteer, Meredith. Something tells me you have that kind of worth ethic, that quality of um, dedication, right? That you could, if you had the time to put into it, you would. I was one of those, but I was working for some of the wrong reasons. I will say that. But I, I do find that I enjoy... Working. I really do. I just enjoy it. It, It's fulfilling to me. It's purposeful. It, you know, at the end of the day, it means something. Um, But not everybody has that, like they have desire, but not really that drive. And so there's always a band. And then, you know, you've got the volunteers that I really want to be there, but they're not super committed, you know, because, you know, something comes up, oh, this is more important, you know, in their heart and mind, they're like 100% I'm with you. But then, you know, something happens over here and it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just something happens over here and they're like, well, I got to go do this thing. You're the first person to drop off. So (laughs) as a ministry leader, (laughs) what is our mindset? What is our heart? What is our understanding? What do we need to know?
1: Well, I would say um, if we have clearly and consistently communicated our expectations, if we've done that, then I think it's reasonable to expect that volunteers are going to be able to meet those expectations. I do find sometimes that there's issues with being consistent in what you're communicating regarding expectations, but let's just say that you are consistent. Um, I think it's reasonable to expect that that people are gonna be able to follow through. However, regardless of what expectations I will say this, regardless of what expectations we uh, have or in- encourage other people to have for themselves, I'm finding that God sees things a little differently.
0: Hmm. Hmm. T- can you give me an story or example?
1: Well, what I'm saying is that there are certain things that I might be able to do and do them well. But if I have the expectation that everybody can do that well or that everybody's gonna be consistent in that God God for God, it might be he might be fine with that person doing maybe a- par- partially. so mm-hmm. in other words, I don't know what is keeping somebody from making coming to their assignment and being late, but God does. And he may have already calculated a certain grace in for them because of whatever he knows is going on with that. But I only see, I have this, this, this needs to be done. And this person has said that they will do it. So when I find myself, you know, as we all do, feeling like let down because, you know, we had this expectation, I guess I'm encouraging us to remember that God can have different expectations. Not that he, you know, is just saying, oh, it's okay, you can do whatever, but that in order to provide grace to people, I need to understand that not everybody thinks or feels or perceives things the way that I do. And sometimes my expectations are based on me, what I expect,
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: not necessarily what God would have for that person. And the fact Mm -hmm. of the matter is, we don't have control over anything, really. I mean, we, we we, right. we want to think that we have control we have a schedule that's yes there is going to do like yes then something comes in and the shift is different what if they come in there and they really need me to pray for them mm. and that means I have to put aside what I wanted them to do or there's a crisis or something else is going on I have to be flexible and be okay with just saying hey God it's your will you know mm-hmm. it's your will mm-hmm. so I hope I hope that kind of there's a balance there I think.
0: I think so. I mean, really it comes down to one word and that's the expectations. What are they reasonable or are they unreasonable? Now, are they reasonable within the context of what what you're saying like in the context of my mind? Yes. But are they reasonable for that person? And what don't we know? You know, what are the what are the things we aren't aware of that that is hindering their success or progress or whatever it is. And I think that's what you're saying. Did I summarize that pretty well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All of us have, you know, things we're working out that hinder us from, you know, at different times in different ways. So just being aware of that, I think is helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awareness is key. So when you have to confront a volunteer, you know, who's not fulfilling their commitment, what does that look like? You know, how, how long does that go before it's that volunteer and this, and obviously I'm, I'm asking this question and I'm thinking, well, you know, could this could be any, like this could, there could be so many things, right? So many variables on the table here, but you know, we have somebody that's that's say working for us and um, or they have said they would, and they keep consistently, you know, having something else that's, that's validly important but continually coming up interfering with their commitment to what they have given, even as a volunteer, at what point would you confront them? And how would that look like?
1: That's another great, great question because um, I do think we're negligent if we just never say anything mm. and then it kind of backs us into a corner. I think it's important to find out really what the route, if you can, is the root cause of them not? Why aren't they? What what really is the issue? Is it that they're not doing, they're not committing, fulfilling the whole commitment or only part of it? Does something need to be changed, altered? Like these things of, you know, having conversation and inviting people in to help you to get an understanding of what may be going on. I think that confrontation has to do with that as well as two other things. One is your personality. Mm-hmm. I, I am pretty direct. I don't like things to be, I like to solve issues. Mm-hmm. I don't like to sweep things under that's my personality. I don't have a problem with talking to people, whereas other people, um, it's kind of like the last thing in the world they want to do.
0: Yeah, and so things kind
1: (laughs) of get sweat under the car and then six months later, you blow up at somebody because you never. So I am always airing on sooner rather than later, um, because it is how you do it. It's confrontation in love Mm. that really makes you know. The way that we should approach these things. So I, you know, is I would say, of course, every situation is different, but I, I feel like you shouldn't be afraid to to have these discussions and to try to understand. I think every time I've confronted people, basically they kind of work it out for themselves. I just <laughs> kind of lay it on the table and say, could you help me understand? You know, mm-hmm. what about? You know, I just explore with them and eventually either they'll come and say, well, actually, I don't really want to do this or actually this is going on. Um, And at some point you might need to say, actually, um, you know, at this time, because you haven't been able to whatever, we need to look at some alternatives. So I I, I think there's so many different factors, but I think confrontation is good because I feel like, The enemy can really get in and cause frustration and resentments to build up when you allow things just to go without talking to somebody. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a specific answer, but that's just me and my personality. I was like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's try to work it out and um, take it from me.
0: You know something, Meredith, I actually, I'm putting all this together here. I, I'm making notes as I go. I mean, for myself, cause I'm learning from you, but, um, I'm, I'm putting this all together and I'm realizing that when we have unmet expectations that we don't deal with internally towards somebody, we cannot confront them in love because we have somehow taken it personally. We have, there's something going on internally there and, um, and I'm saying that out of conviction because this happens in my life all the time. So I'm not saying this like preaching. I feel like this is what I'm hearing you say as well. And so in order to confront with love, we have to put all those expectations aside because what I heard you say, and I thought this was really so profoundly simple, but beautiful. You said, could you help me understand as an mm, approach like and explore with them what's going on. And so then it becomes not this, I've got all the answers, you're not fulfilling them. It's more of a, we're going to work through this together and figure out what's going on together, because I love you, because I care about you. That's how I see what you're doing there. You're coming alongside them as a friend, as a partner, as a, you know, maybe a a, a boss, if you will, but you're also coming alongside them as a sister in Christ. What's going on in your life that I don't understand? You're willing to say, I don't have all the answers here. Mm -hmm. And I love that. It's beautiful. And the sooner rather than later, actually, I think is, um, is something that shouldn't be glossed over. Right. Is is a saying that you said, because when we, um, let things go, the sooner we can deal with them, the less we stew over them is what I'm getting at, Yes, right? Yes. The less stewing that goes on. Because when we stew over it, we end up exploding instead of coming in love. Anyway, this beautiful answer. And part of it, I love,
2: I love what you said about person knowing your personality too. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm very much of a project-driven person more than a people-driven mm-hmm. person, <laughs> you yes. know, so I'm looking at what I want to accomplish and mm-hmm. to realize that that volunteer is part of my mission that God's given me is yes. building that person up and appreciating and and um letting them know um how much you appreciate them. So that's the whole opposite side of the confrontation is how to build them up and keep them motivated and um uh, let them know they're part of the team and, and how valuable they are.
0: Yeah. And Linda I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot again because I like to do that to you because I just love you so much. But when you were leading the pregnancy center, um what were some of the did you employ any of these tactics and um what what how did you handle some of these things with volunteers?
2: Well, as far as the appreciation thing, I did have a volunteer coordinator at that point um, Mm. in Meredith's role. And I know many of us don't have that uh, luxury (laughs) or do it at all ourselves. But uh, yeah, just doing little things goes such a long way, you know, little gifts or little appreciation banquets or, you know, just letting them know how important they are. And uh, I think Meredith mentioned communication, too, you know, that builds the team is letting them know how valuable they are and, and what's going on and, and giving uh, opportunities for that communication to happen so that they, they feel it. And Mindy, you're doing a great job of that too, is you're building uh, your virtual team is um, taking the time and it, it does take time mm-hmm. to, to have meet regular meetings, have the discussions to keep that communication open. Um, and that's so valuable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we have, I'm, I have more questions I want to ask you and I would just love to sit down longer with you and talk to you, Meredith, because I, I, the more I talk to you, the more I hear your heart and you're so intelligent and you're so loving and, um, you just have a good way about you that I would just, I'd love to have you come back on and talk more just about this because I think we could learn, um, Especially for those of us who um, tend to be emotionally driven, you don't seem to be emotionally driven, at least not, not in these conversations that I've seen with you. So anyway, and, and we can all learn from that because um, our emotions just get the best of us. And that's when things go south so quickly. So
2: <laughs> um, anyway, we've enjoyed relationships are one of the biggest challenges of it all, isn't it? <laughs> yes.
0: Well, and as she was saying, knowing your personality, leading ourselves is the hardest person to lead. So, you know, having that good leadership roll over ourselves first before we lead other people is um, key to leading anyway, but we have enjoyed having you because I know we're at the end of our time. So I don't want to ask another question because I'll, I'll stay on here with you forever. Um, But if you'd like to come back, we'd love to have you. This has been a great time and I hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Meredith.
2: God bless your ministry
1: my my pleasure god bless you for all the work that you're doing it's it's your your reward is not only on earth as you see women's lives transform but there is a a golden reward that is waiting for you in heaven so amen god bless you